Chapter 12. A voice in my head was screaming, Don't do it. But this was Rosie, my Rosie. I hobbled past Nana's headstone and across the desert, zigzagging between the mesquite and Akatilo. A jackrabbit skirted out from a bush, and I nearly stumbled over it. Huge black clouds formed, so thick they blocked out the sun. The wind kicked and screamed, doing its best to knock me off my feet. But I pressed on toward the beast, still hearing Rosie's cries and keeping an eye out for Brooks the whole time. When I got to the secret entrance, Rosie's cries sounded even more desperate. I scurried inside, crawling through the narrow passage, then balancing carefully down the steep slope to the bottom. There was nothing but heart-stopping silence. Even the wind had stopped howling. Rosie, my voice squeaked. The place still reeked of vomit and rot, which reminded me of the demon runner, and I just and just thinking about that stinking monster made me want to punch something. Suddenly, my blood ran hot, so hot, I felt like I might burn from the inside out. That's when I looked down at my throbbing hand. It was covered in yellow ooze. The demon run runner must have left slimy residue on the wall I had touched. Panic rose, fast and furious. The poison, it pulsed and stung. My skin began to puff up with big purple welts. Sweat trickled down my neck, and when I wiped it away with my clean hand, I saw my perspiration was yellow. I closed my eyes and took a few deep breaths. I heard the rustle of wings behind me. When I opened my eyes, I saw Brooks, the hawk, swoop into the chamber. She changed into her human form right before my eyes. I didn't think I'd ever get tired of seeing that kind of magic, the way the air shimmered around her in blues and golds and greens. Brooks's eyes searched my face, then landed on my neck. The poison. We have to get it out. I'll be fine. The, my blood would protect me, Miss Cab had said. But without her tea as a pain suppressant, how bad would it hurt? On a scale of one to ten, I was shooting for a one. Brooks shook her head. The poison's had time to ferment since yesterday, she said. It's more toxic now. I snapped. Maybe it was the poison talking, but when your blood's boiling and venom is in your bloodstream and you have no idea if you're half monster, you do and say things that are completely whacked. Why do you really come here? If this Abhooch is so wicked and can really destroy the whole world, then why send some random girl to find him? Brooks clenched her jaw. I could tell she was trying to decide if she should let me have it with words or with a punch to the gut. She did neither. I can help you. I don't need your help. Brooks ignored me. It's going to hurt. Why do people always say that? As if the warning somehow makes it better. Truth is, I'd rather have not known what she was about to do. But I found myself nodding, and she changed back into a hawk before I could stop her talon from slicing. Um, yeah, before I could stop her talon from slicing my arm open from elbow to wrist. The pain was terrible. Yellow ooze rushed out of me instead of blood, pooling on the ground where it sizzled and smoked. And let me tell you, it smelled worse than 10-day-old fish and vomit combined. I gagged. Brooks took her human form and said, squeeze it out, while she demonstrated by kneading her own arm. My eyes were half-closed and I shook my head. Had I been more coherent, I might have screamed, end to the no, but my hand must have ignored my brain because it started to squeeze. The burning was worse than anything I'd ever felt. A million whispers bounced off the cave walls, angry and tormented. The cave began to spin, and I thought I might pass out. Then, gradually, everything came back into focus. The whispers disappeared, and bit by bit, my pulse steadied until I felt like myself again. When I looked down at my arm, the wound closed up right before my eyes. That's freaking amazing. I felt supernatural and totally awesome. My skin had just healed itself. 
It's a Nawal thing. Pretty sure it has to do with me being supernatural. Brooks gave a small shrug. I shook out my arm. How'd you find me? I know you'd be reckless enough to come back here alone. I was waiting up top, she said, pointing above. But when I called to you, the wind swallowed my voice. She inched closer. So the magic summoned you? No, but I heard Rosie. What do you mean? Her cries. They were so loud, I was sure she was here. Brooks's face fell. That, that wasn't Rosie, Zane. Don't you see? They're tricking you. I know what I heard. Taking my hand, she said, the eclipse is coming and we have to find the artifact before then. I can't do without you. You're the only one. You're the one in the prophecy. And then what? I have to leave. But you just got here, I blurted out. I couldn't help it. I'd only known her for a few days, but the idea of life without Brooks around seemed so boring. Do you hear Rosie now? She asked. I shook my head and circled the cave, careful to avoid toxic slime. I pressed my ear to the walls like maybe my dog was inside one of them. Brooks followed closely, speaking in hushed tones. You're right, you know. Who am I to think I can stop the evilest god of all time? I'm doing it too. Her voice trailed off. Then she added, I'm only part Nawal. It's why I can't shapeshift into anything except a hawk. No one wants to train a half-breed. But if you could accomplish something big, but if I could accomplish something big, I wouldn't be a nothing my whole life. I recalled what the Alush had said to my mom. Yeah, being a half-breed, nothing would officially suck. I kicked a rock across the ground. Oh, I'm so stupid. That's not what I meant. I mean, it's okay. I get what you mean. I could identify with her need to be something bigger, a better version of herself. So nobody sent you? You just, like, ran away? You could say that. From where? A place I can't go back to. But don't worry. No one's looking for me. What about your mom or dad? My dad's off with his new family, and, and my mom's dead. Oh, um, I, I'm sorry. I snatched a pebble from the ground and rolled it between each knuckle. Maybe you could stay with us then. That's impossible. Why? You can't just fly around on your own out there. She focused on the rolling pebble. It's not that I wouldn't want to or anything. I, I just can't. I felt stupid for suggesting it. Hey, I bet you're part magician, Brooke said, changing the subject and considering my whole body in a way that made my face flush a million shades of red. Magician? Like pull a rabbit out of a hat? No, like a powerful wielder of magic. Yeah, well, that wasn't one of the options Miss Cab listed. They're smart, even devious, but also very loyal and, and what? Dangerous. I mean, if you cross them, there's a place down in Ushmal, Mexico called the Pyramid of the Magician, and wait, I cut in, remembering something about that in my book. Isn't it also called the Pyramid of the Soothsayer? I wondered if this was referencing the Great Soothsayer. It had, it had to be, if she had a whole pyramid named after her. Yeah, it's called that too, Brooke said. Maybe someday you can go there and see for yourself. We could even, you've been there? In the same instant, another one of Rosie's whimpers echoed across the chamber. Did you hear that? I hurried down the tunnel and to, and to the rock wall, the same one the demon runner had been clawing through the other day. Hear what? I began pulling the rocks free. They were loose and came out easily. My adrenaline was pumping. Rosie. Suddenly the wall began to crumble like dust. A narrow passage revealed itself and a barely there light flickered from beyond. Rosie's cry carried through the opening. Part of my mind knew it was a trap, but the other part didn't care. I mean, what if it really was Rosie, and I missed my only chance to save her? 
I wedged myself into the narrow opening. Wait, Brooks cried. I thought she might try to stop me, but instead she reached into the collar of her shirt and pulled out three leather strings, each with a mini flashlight attached. I brought backup this time. Did you remember the batteries? Brooks huffed. Let's go. We made our way through the cramped corridor for about 20 yards until we came out into an enormous cavity. The flashlight's yellow beam circled the place. In the center of the floor was a green pool. Stalactites stung, clung to the ceiling overhead, dripping water into the pond, and with a hollow echo that made my blood run cold. Rosie was nowhere to be seen. I swallowed hard. We took a few steps past the pool. It gave off an overwhelming foul, overwhelmingly foul smell, like it was filled with rotting fish. Pale rock columns, about two or three feet tall, grew out of the sloping ground and surrounded a taller stalagmite with the flat surface. On top was a large stone bowl. I hesitated, then drew closer and peered inside. Two cracked animal skulls were sitting on a pile of skinny white sticks. No, not sticks. They looked more like bird bones. Well, that didn't just spell... Well, didn't that just spell welcome? This is a sacrifice chamber, Brooks whispered. Her voice was tense in the cold air. The demon runners did this. They prepared the place for Apucha's release. The eyes bounced over the rough ash-colored walls and across the uneven floor. I shivered. I guess that means we're in the right spot, or the wrong one, depending on your perspective, I said, looking over my shoulder for any demon runners who might have followed us. I just wanted to find the thing Apooch was hiding in so Brooks could take him away and make sure he never got out. Then we could prove that soothsayer wrong. I kept expecting Miss Cab to show up any minute, too, to poof out of thin air. She was supposed to be back before the eclipse. Brooks stood and turned to me. When you heard Rosie, it must have been the magic calling you. Clever. I guess. She looked pale. Come on, we need to move fast. We only have a couple hours. Do you hear anything now? Aren't you the one with the super bionic senses? I tried, remember? She said. I can't hear this frequency. The magic will only call to you. I tuned my ears, but all I heard was the drip, drip, drip of the water and a strange breathing sound like the walls themselves were inhaling and exhaling. A dark ripple shifted across the water. It's in there, I said, pointing to the pool. That puddle? Are you sure? I'm sure. Like 80% or 100? Brooks asked, frowning. I mean, there's a big difference. I was positive. I could feel the air pulse and buzz with a strange energy when I stepped closer to the water. Despite the stink, I felt drawn to it. And every second we stood there, I found myself wanting more desperately to jump in. I'm a thousand percent sure. And it's not a puddle. It's deep. I'm not sure how I knew, but I did. Just like I knew it would be cold. Brooks sucked in her lower lip. Well, that's unfortunate. Why? I can't swim. Okay, so unless the animal skeletons came to life and decided to fish Apooch out of the water, I was the lucky retriever. Great. Brooks raised the flashlight beam to the ceiling. Holy K, we're doomed. Those are not the words anyone wants to hear when they're standing in a dark chamber of sacrifice with the Lord of Death, well, the Lord of the Dead trapped in a smelly pond a few feet away. I swore under my breath and craned my neck. The stalactites trembled, then split open with a bone cracking sound that sent chills down my spine. Bits of rock fell and we ducked out of the way. When I looked up, I stumbled and gasped. At the base of the stalactites, dozens of glowing blue pods clung to the ceiling. 
A black ooze dripped from them into the water. Optimist me thought maybe we'd made some kind of cool archaeological discovery. Then I saw that the translucent husks were pulsing and stretching. Definitely not a cool archaeological discovery. Sleeping demon runners, just like Miss Cab had said, they'd been busy duplicating in Apuch's hiding place. It was time to bolt. But as soon as I grabbed Brooks's hand to lead her back the way we'd come, a demon runner leaped down from the ceiling, blocking our path. He swiveled his head slowly like he was searching for us. We froze in our tracks. Brooks squeezed my hand so hard I thought she might break my bones. Then, one by one, the lights went out in the pods above. And if you've ever heard someone slurp the last of a shake through a straw, you'll understand the sound that filled the cave. The sacks were opening. The demon runner squinted. This was one time I wished I didn't have night vision. I didn't need to see the way his evil beady eyes roamed the chamber. Xenobispo, he hissed, stretching his arms towards us as we slowly backed away. Demon runners or pool, I whispered, every muscle in my body tensed, ready for flight. Neither, Brooks breathed. Above us, a newly hatched demon runner hung upside down like a bat, stretched his stretched its neck and turned its head 180 degrees until its fiery fiery red eyes found us. They don't want me here, Brooks whispered. It opened its mouth to scream to wake the others. The demon runner in front of us inched closer, groping through the dark. Stranger, it said in a rusty voice. No matter what, Brooks, don't let go of me. Her eyes widened and she pulled away from my grasp. The demon runner let out an ear-piercing cry that seemed to shake the walls. I grabbed Brooks's hand and we jumped feet first into the dark pool.